Hello, my name's Jane Dacre. Welcome to the second season of Medical Women Talking. The podcasts are made up of conversations with some amazing women doctors who've had incredible careers. Being a woman and a doctor can be challenging, but these conversations are designed to be shared to help those women aspiring to fulfilling careers and to leadership roles. We hear a lot of negative stuff about medicine these days, but these inspiring stories show us that medicine can still be brilliant. Listen and be inspired. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Sarah Clark. Sarah is not only a female interventional cardiologist, which makes her rather rare, she's also the fourth female president of the Royal College of Physicians. She's had a fantastic career and she's going to share it with you today. Can we start off by you just telling me a little bit about your career so far? So, for example, when did you decide to become a doctor? Thanks, Jane. So when I was at school, I was actually more of a physical scientist rather than a biological science. I did maths, further maths, physics, chemistry, and didn't really know what I wanted to do. thought I'd go and teach or do actuary or accountancy. I didn't really know much about what they were, what they were, what they involved. But... um, so when I when I applied to university, when I got when I actually got my A levels, I decided to take a year out and have a think. And I noted a advert in the Surrey Comet for a research assistant at the Royal Marsden in Sutton in Surrey. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. I'll go and do that. And at the same time, I was sitting the entrance exams to Cambridge. So I went along to the Royal Marsden and met Professor Trevor Poles, um, whose twin was also there working in paediatric oncology. And Trevor was a, 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 an oncologist, breast physician. And I had an absolutely fabulous year. They were just, they were really um, got me involved. Um, I went on the ward rounds, I went into clinics, and basically I was measuring tumor sizes for their some of the trials and documenting it all. So they're responsible for my first publication, you know, before the age of 20. Um, and while I was there, they were very encouraging about career medicine and I began to realise the opportunities that were there so when I applied I applied for medicine and I applied to go to Girton and sat the exam and I got in seventh term so having finished at the Marsden I went up to to Girton and start that's where my medical career started and I did my um, three years there and then I went on decided to stay on in Cambridge I enjoyed living in Cambridge having sort of lived in London for years and went to Adam Brooks to complete my clinical component of the of the degree so so what sort of background do you come from Sarah were do you have doctors in your family no no doctors at all all engineers um yeah engineer engineering really gosh so it's quite so so quite a change um so then you uh qualify as a doctor I assume and you're a cardiologist there aren't that many female cardiologists so why cardiology you're right. There aren't enough women cardiologists. Absolutely. Um, I did my my rotation at Adam Brooks and the different jobs I did um, was renal medicine, um, oncology, um, cardiology was one of them and dermatology. I liked cardiology because it was technical and I'm a, because I come from the sort of physical science background. I like the technical technical aspect of it. I'm, I was very practical. So I'm very practical, so I like the hands-on. Um, it seemed very relevant to across medicine, and it had the sort of acute element as well as the chronic element. 
um, to it. So I enjoyed doing, I enjoyed my time doing my cardiology junior role and then decided to apply for the, the registrar rotation, which actually happened to be in Cambridge um, and took me to Papworth, where obviously I started going into the cath lab and, you know, realised that the interventional side of it was for me because the, the, the speed at which technology changes, the hands-on, the acuteness, the having to respond quickly um, is an ever-evolving specialty. And, and I, I like that pace and having to make quick decisions. But presumably you were in quite a minority during that career progression. Did, did that bother you at all? No, didn't bother me at all. And I, I was well aware that I was, you know, there weren't many women in cardiology at that time. Didn't concern me. I wouldn't say it was an easy road. Um, you know, I had to deal with some decisions which I felt weren't fair. Um, but I decided to hold my own and, and was very so what, determined sorry, to get through. What what sort of what sort of thing wasn't fair? So I think when, when when there were suggestions about where you would rotate to and the suggestion that I might want to sort of do general cardiology and, and perhaps not the interventional side because I might want to have a career break at some stage. Um, so whereas for me, I was totally committed to doing intervention and I had to, you know, work hard to get, um, well, I went to, I went to a fellow, had a fellowship abroad in the States in Boston for a year and so in going there, it was it was great because it actually enabled me to flourish more. But it but it was in order to um in order to get through that, that, yes, there were barriers that maybe I should do something more general with general medicine, you know, rather than go down a specialty that was competitive, um, long hours, out of hours as well, and the suggestion that, you know, that was probably going to be a more difficult career pathway for me. So, so um, I have to say, you, you don't look like someone who chooses the easy path because not only have you had a career in cardiology, but you've also got into uh, medical leadership. So what, what were your motivations for going for leadership positions? Um, so when I, having become a consultant at Papworth, um, we were in the old hospital. And at that time, it was beginning the, the sort of concept of, working in, in regions and, and working collaboratively across hospitals and was all beginning to evolve. So I got involved in developing the heart attack service because it was very relevant to what I was doing anyway and it was something I could take on. I became clinical director at an early stage, partly because there had been a long gap between the previous consultant being appointed and me coming in. So I became a clinical director quite quickly um, for cardiology and got involved in more the regional work and developing the heart attack service, not only at Patworth, but across the region. And that was really rewarding, work, working with like-minded um, people, leaders, forward-thinking, wanting to deliver optimal services across organisations, getting people on board to do it. Because here we're now talking about 24-7 on call, getting out of bed, going in at all hours. It was a very different concept to what had happened before. But technology had advanced as well, because when I first started, we weren't using stents. So stenting has you know, completely revolutionised what we can do or what we could do, we still can do. Um, so, so I got very involved in projects at, at, a, at an early age, um, which I really enjoyed. And so it was, it was partly the, the heart attack service, but then what kept popping up was re redesign and movement of, of Papworth Hospital into Cambridge. And so I became involved in the design and delivery of the new hospital, which took, 
took over, took place over several years because a lot of debate whether we should move or not. It kept going backwards and forwards. But ultimately, it got to the stage where we could spend some time. We spent time with various different um, uh, pro, uh, um, engineers and and um, developers to look at different uh, designs of the new hospital in Cambridge at the campus. And, and it was just fascinating to learn about how a hospital works and how it can work optimally. So we decided that the, the, the hospital had to be designed around the patient pathway. So no inpatient meets an outpatient, even if they're going into any scanning room or anywhere in the hospital. So can, we've managed to separate outpatients, inpatients completely, single rooms, all you know, in the same same um, design, so that if you if there is a cardiac arrest, you can go into any room and it's going to look exactly the same, and you know where everything is. Same with theatres, same with cath labs. So there was this real. It was really interesting to actually think very carefully about the patient pathway and what patients needed, what they wanted, what was going to give them a good experience, whether they're an outpatient or an inpatient. So that was that was really enjoyable, and and it's. Every time I drive over the railway bridge to go in to go into work every day at Papworth, I don't not every day at the moment, but whenever I drive in, it's always a pleasure to see this wonderful building that I feel I was I had a part of, and that was very rewarding. Fantastic achievement! Um, so presumably you also uh, broadened out to be working with different members of of the team because that can't have only been been doctors. Sure. No, it was. I mean, it was obviously doctors. It was the nurses, the radiographers, um, work, but working across um, organisations as well, because Papworth being a tertiary centre was, you know, was a, was being fed by hospitals around us. So we needed to make sure that everyone was on board, and we could develop pathways to make sure the patients were coming in appropriately. So it was a yes, it was working um, within the team at the hospital, but also a much wider team. And getting people on board, this is new facility, this is what we can do. And it's not just standalone, it's actually for the region. And of course, it's also a national centre as well. Um, so was it that, because you then moved on to uh, national leadership roles, starting in cardiology, how did you, how did you take that step? So when I was a, a registrar, I went to, I went to one of the conferences. And they invited me to to do some reporting. So I, be, I had a dictaphone and went round and interviewed people like Roger Boyle and 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 we put it up on the website very very early on. And so became involved, set up as a roving reporter um, scheme for the for the, the conferences. And then after that, I was then sort of brought into the fold at the British College of Society and and sat on the program committee, education committee, and became then got elected to be vice president for education um, at the at the British College of Society, which then meant I was responsible for developing the educate an education portfolio, um, but also the national conference, which um, my predecessor Ian Simpson had started to transform, but we completely changed it into something that was um, very much more designed around tracks, so trainee track, revalidation track, education track. Um, uh, intervention track etc you know we, we really redesigned it so that people could see very clearly when they were coming into a conference what experience they wanted to have or they want to go for special specialty training or they want to have more general training um, and developed an education zone where we had simulators and and hot topics where people could do very very quick updates on things so we did a lot of change there which was which was really rewarding to see and it's significant we significantly increased the number of people that came to the conference and um, because it became more relevant 
Um, so I really enjoyed doing that. And after that, I was it was suggested I stood for president. So I stood for president and was successful and became the first female president at the British Congress Society. And I'd have to say, sadly, there hasn't been another woman yet, but I keep encouraging all the my female interventional and or general general cardiology colleagues, whatever, to to um, to to think about it because it, it was a very rewarding time. And at the time, I you know I really enjoyed working with a lot of my colleagues um, across, as as president there, um, you know, to trying to develop or embrace cardiology as it's evolved over the last few years. And so, how did you then move over to the broader? Um, Church of the Royal College of Physicians. I suppose when I when I stopped being president, or when that when that term finished, um, I'd become engaged more in the improvement programs, national improvement programs, such as getting it right first time. So I was involved in the GERF to getting it right first time for cardiology, and worked with Professor Simon Ray from Manchester in in going around and doing all the visits and looking at how we could improve cardiology services. Um, this was just before lockdown. Um, and then at the time, the clinical vice president role came up at the college. And it seemed to me, you know, I was I spent all my time in cardiology, but thought actually there's more I can do, there's more I'd like to do across medicine. And, you know, it's the same principles of how you go about doing things and assessing and deciding what you're going to do and delivering would be the same. So, so I thought I would apply for that role. It's an elected role. And it was great because I was successful, which gave me the opportunity to think slightly more outside the box of just not just cardiology anymore, but all everything that I'd learned, um, all the principles, the different experiences that I'd had were completely relevant across the different specialties. So it made, enabled me to bring together a wider group of people to look at the, the problem more generically. And, um, and so that's that's how I became involved in the college. And then president. And then president, yes. Um, it isn't always a bed of roses, though, is it? As I know to to my own, I bear the scars myself. So uh, do you want to mention some highs and some lows so far? You've been doing the job for about a year now. Yes. Highs are very much the, the people that I'm working with within the college, but also it's a huge privilege, and I, I felt this very much with GERFT when I went out and visited trusts and met other people in trusts and looked at how they were working and trying to sort of work with them to improve things. And I think for me, the highs of the, the visits, the trust visits I do for the college as well. So this time it's not specialty based, it's more based on meeting the trainees, um, meeting the consultants. And then meeting the senior management team to understand across the spectrum what are the issues, what can I help with, what can I advise, and what can we recommend, and certainly recommend to um, the senior management teams, um, and highlight things that perhaps they weren't aren't aware of and and need to be aware of, or messages that don't seem to be getting through sometimes. So for me, going out, going being on the road and visiting. The different trusts um, is always something I enjoyed as doing GERFT and, and it's the same it's the same at the college so meeting different people and meeting for me now meeting people in different specialties and trying to work outside my comfort zone so I do one day a week interventional cardiology now I'll go back and do my do my you know 
my day job, I suppose, what has been my day job for many years. But the rest of the time, it's actually trying to make sure that it's working outside of the box and across the different specialties, the medical specialties in general medicine, acute and emergency care. And I think another highlight for me is, is, is working with the other presidents um, as a team, particularly when we're facing the challenges that we've got in the NHS. So the academy is, is, a, is a collection of all the different presidents in the different specialties. And we're a good bunch, I think. We work really well together. Um, we've got similar thoughts about how we should do things. We've got, we know we're very good at bouncing off each other. Also very good at supporting each other because you mentioned the lows. Of course, there are lows. And, and I think one of the biggest challenges nowadays is, is how um, is social media. It can be cruel. It can be lonely. And it's trying not to take it personally in any way. Um, and, you know, having the support of people around you, not only in the college, but from other presidents who, like you say, you know what it's like and you don't know what it's like until you do the job. So the fact that they they know what it's like and they support you and the minute something happens, there's a phone call, there's a, you know, WhatsApp um, is, is really is really good because it actually makes you feel, you know, you're not alone. Um, yeah. And it, yes, you're absolutely right. It can be quite lonely at times and it, you can, it can feel like a personal attack. But you absolutely have to not take it as that. I'm very lucky. I've got support. I mean, at home, I've got really good support. So it's very easy for me to go home and rant for a bit and then get it off my chest and then move on. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's not easy. However, the positives far outweigh the negatives. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Social media can be absolutely vicious and uh, often comes along being vicious at a time when you least expect it to. Um, can, can I, uh, you mentioned a little bit about having support at home because often a very high achieving woman in a relationship uh, comes, uh, comes across difficulties in, in uh, your home life. Is it, how does that all work for you? So I don't have children of our, I don't have children of my own, um, but I'm married and I've got a husband who is, is a bit older than me, but he did um, general practice for many years in Cambridge. So um, we met in Cambridge, um, not at university, but um, after we qualified. And he was a general practitioner in Cambridge for many years, but also was somebody who got involved in improvement and developed out of our services and things. So we're sort of quite like-minded. And so he understands things that I do and can support in that way and the things that I do and the frustrations etc um but now he does he works for NHS digital which he which he really enjoys so it's it's he's got a little bit more time than I have so he's able to, he's now supports me which is fantastic he's interested in what I do interested in meeting the people that I work with and very good at being a sounding board for ideas that I have what I want to do and and also when things aren't going well helping me understand perhaps what I could do differently or was I, am I right am I, I've got to think about different perspectives you know is very good at, at, at doing that so we're quite we're, we're actually I'm very lucky very lucky Jane got a good good partner good team we're a good team uh, it sounds it's it sounds great to to have that support so um a lot of the people who listen to this podcast will be will be considering whether or not they go on to leadership positions it, is there any advice that you would give to uh, people coming people coming through, things to look out for, things to be aware of? 
I think if you're if you're somebody who likes not just to do the job, but to think about different ways of doing things or leading your team and developing your team and, and going forward, it is important to do a leadership course of some sort, just so that you get to understand the principles and 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 how to work with people and and how to, to drive things forward, drive change. And one of the courses I went on was a women transforming leadership program in Oxford. Um, it was just women, but it was women across lots of different careers, you know, finance, lawyers, medics. We're a real mixed bag. And it was residential, so we were locked up together for a whole week. And we had various challenges to, to pose upon us to get through. And I think that that week that I spent in Oxford, I learned so much about not just how to do things and how to work with you, but also you learn about yourself and what sort, of, what sort of person you are and how you can and should try and adapt to different situations. Um, so I think it's really important to get some basic grounding and, and do a course where you can spend some time with other people in a safe space and, and talk about you know, the challenges and perhaps things that you find more difficult, things you find easier, um, how you get through things. You learn so much. And, and I think once you've started to develop those skills, as you start doing different things, you begin to learn how to do, you know, not everything always goes right, as you know. So, and you learn from everything that you do, but you've got a way of coping with it and, and developing yourself as you go along. So it is a sort of a developmental process, I think, as a leader, you, you know, the different things that I've done, I can see how each of the different roles I've had, I've been able to build, build upon personally as a person, um, but also it's, it's enabled me to take on some more you know tougher challenges like being president at the RCP um so my advice would be to get some get some, some grounding in principles and and also build a network of build that network of of people around you so i'm still in touch with my group from oxford from all those years ago and you know we, we if anyone has a problem this whatsapp goes and we all try and dip in and help each other and until so you must build a network around you of people that you trust that you can go to. And, and I've there's several people that I've got, well, a lot of people, that if I had a particular problem, I would know who my go-to person was who could help me with that. And that's it's really important to have a network of people around you. Very wise words. Really grateful to you for your time. So, Sarah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Medical Women Talking. It's been a privilege to spend time with all these medical women. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this season. Don't forget, there are many other interviews in season one.